0: What's up, guys? Mitch from RespectMergent.com back with another episode of the RMR podcast. Today, I'm joined by special guest Danny Aaron Bayev. How you doing today, Danny?
1: Good, good. How are you doing yourself?
0: I'm doing all right. And I should I should have gave you the full. I had it wrote out. I should have gave you the full the full intro. Celebrity jeweler, aka the Cartier doctor. Man, man, how you living today? Joining us from the other side of the map. I'm up here in the in the Pacific Northwest. You're out there in the Northeast. Man, how you living? Good, man. Just another day in paradise. Can't complain. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I know we were talking a little bit. You're you're located down there near the the Diamond District in in NYC, man, and and out here in the jewelry game. So I'm really curious kind of your origin story of of when you got started in the jewelry business.
1: Actually, I got started when I was about 16 years old. My family is Aviani and Coda Jewelers. We've been around for about 40 years now. Um, So I started at 16 till about 19. I was doing jewelry. And then, for whatever reason at that time, I uh, wanted to get into glasses, you know, because I wanted to just, I guess, have my own thing going for myself, maybe, or try something different and uh, put new unity into the family, something new in the business. So I went into eyewear, and that's where I went to optician school. And learned about eyewear, the eye industry, the optical industry, and just how to do like prescription lenses and designing really not much in school. That's already came much later on. You know, today I'm already 29 years old. I was 10 years ago. Mm. So you could only imagine how much technology has grown since then.
0: Absolutely, and that and that was one of my questions. Is is kind of like what what was that uh, interest point in eyewear of kind of stepping outside of you know usually when we think of jewelry, you know, watches, chains. Obviously, grills have been really popular. I mean, they've been popular for a while, but really, really popular these last five or something years. And so, that that step into eyewear, how much of that was like just an interest based on or or based on kind of just positioning yourself on a, on a different different lane of, of industry or business.
1: Well, yeah, I also looked in eyewear as uh, more a necessity rather than like jewelry is more luxury. Eyewear is more somewhat of a necessity to people that need it for vision.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But in general speaking, it's, it is jewelry just for the face. Mm-hmm. Because before anybody looks at somebody's chain, watch, or ring, or whatever other type of jewelry they're wearing on their body or wherever else, they're gonna look at their face and they're gonna quote catch eye to eye just like we are right now. When I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking directly and looking into your face, and I wouldn't be able to even see your watch at the moment. You might be having you might have a five hundred thousand dollar watch, and I wouldn't even know it, right? You know, but if you got these type of glasses, you know, what's jewelry? Jewelry, jewelry is something that you wanted to speak for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't want, you don't have to talk. You let your jewelry talk for you. Like when I walk in and I have my nice custom piece made by our family, like people stop me and say, Hey, that's a really nice charm.
0: You have there. Very well done. You know? Oh yeah. That looks, that looks nice, man. So that, that, that was another thing is like, what all goes into to jewelry? Obviously, you went to school to, to learn more about how the eye works and how prescription lenses work. But when it comes to actual jewelry and the, the the craft, there's like part, I'm sure, technical skill, part creativity and just being an artist because it is an art form. What What is kind of the, the process of getting into that field? Is there like a school that a lot of people take that route? Obviously, you kind of come, you're generationally in that. So I'm sure you kind of learn more on task, like doing it, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, when I came to Aviani and company when I was a teenager, I did learn a lot about the grind and the hustle and learning how to deal with people and how to be, you know, how to be making the client happy and satisfied before they're done with their transaction. So that did that did give me some type of a background into, like, creating things and seeing, like, all these celebrities at such a young age and motivating me and just like, you know what? It's just it's just good to like be exposed to all of that at, at a young age. I was lucky enough to have a family to, that I could have seen all that. Not so many people seeing, you know, a lot of money transaction deals, huge pieces. You know, it was a different era than now, and uh, you know I'm just blessed and grateful that I was able to go through that, and that actually helped me today based on my what I'm doing today, which is eyewear.
0: Absolutely. And then when when it comes to jewelry, right, like these are high cost items, like you said, large money transactions, but obviously in any business, you got the cost of goods sold, which, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, people outside of a particular business might not understand, right? Like the profit is made in that margin between the cost of goods sold and, and the ticket price. In selling high cost items, a lot of people think, oh, you're making a ton of money. You're selling things that cost a lot of money. But it's true to say also that there's an art, a craft, a a labor that goes into making these pieces, but then there's also the cost of goods, which is greatly expensive. And so for people out there that want to get in the jewelry game, is it something that you have to have kind of connections or a little bit of like finances set aside where you can buy these raw materials to make these goods or, or how's that process kind of work for you? It is, it is true. Like I said, I'm definitely blessed and grateful
1: where I had my family's help and experience guide me and finding the raw material, which is behind the scenes like gold, the casting, the wax, the design, the 3D CADs, the rendering, the diamonds, you know, the diamond setters, the polishers, and it's just, the list just goes on and on and on. So it is a lot of work, and you do definitely need to be connected and have a good name out in the industry we're in because, you know, people on this block, They'll shake the, they'll shake your hand and that's like you think it's just a handshake but that's just he just shook a million dollars you know like mm-hmm. you yeah. wouldn't even know. So definitely over here in this industry that we're in uh, and like they say the bigger you get the smaller the circle gets. So we all know each other and if your name and your reputation is not good then how can anybody trust you
0: with expensive items? Absolutely and I'm sure within that name and, and kind of reputation probably travels quickly, especially being in you know a New York, which is a, the epicenter of a lot of this stuff. yeah, for sure
1: definitely because New York is definitely a fashion state and we definitely do set the trend and a lot of people I have coming here shopping from out of state, uh, I have on Instagram people dming me all the time like, hey I gotta come see you, I'm coming to New York you know it's like, it
0: became
1: like an in and out burger, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: you know? And how, how has that worked, like Instagram changing the game? You know, back back in the day, obviously, you've been around this for a long time. Like, honestly, pre-Instagram, especially what it is now to where it is now with, you know, high luxury items and and high-priced goods command a lot of attention on 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 social media, a lot more than actually transfer, transfer into like conversions on sales and stuff like that. But it's also helped reach a broad audience. Like how have you seen Instagram kind of affect the the business of, of being a jeweler? Well,
1: it's basically how it's going to be is that at the end of the day, it's not easy to do anything in this life, but I could tell you this one, people did it, you know, we migrated from basically nothing, you know, we were not jewelers back from where my family is from and we came here and we started something and with hard work and dedication and consistency you know here's the aftermath
0: you know being in the realm of being a celebrity jeweler along with that comes a lot of hype a lot of people think that's super interesting think that you know it's 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 a dream for a lot of people what are some of the things about that that people might not know that it comes to like the hard work some of the pitfalls some of the the things that are let's less glitzy and glammy about working in that r- world of celebrity?
1: Oh, that's a very good question. What I tell a lot of people is, yeah, it's cool. You get to see the fancy cars and the fancy woman and the fancy things and the beautiful things in life. But it does come with, uh, unfortunately, are in a category of a high-risk business where things could go south. You know, A, robbery, be your life, you know, see just attention that you might not want, you know, or certain things you can't just put out like, hey, I'm in Philippe Chow having a dinner, but I don't want to post a story because you don't know really who's watching. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes with a lot being dealing with, you know, I'm not going to say I'm a celebrity or all. I'm definitely not a movie star, but. I, I sit with a movie star, or, I, or I, I sit with an actress, or a singer, or an artist, or a rapper, and people might get the wrong idea, you know? Mm-hmm. So it does come with its plus and minuses, like everything else, like any job would, but it does come with its minuses as well. But otherwise, it's definitely worth it, and I definitely have a passion and I'm grateful again. That I had the honor to do people's glasses, big names in the industry, and I continue to thrive to continue doing the right job where people could stop and say, hey, look, those glasses are amazing, you know, or the jewelry is amazing. So it does come with its pros and cons, you know, like everything else. Can't really yeah. say anything good or bad, but it does come with its cons as well. You know, you're dealing with a lot of, you're dealing with a large amount of money. And which means a large responsibility, you know, but overall, I can't complain.
0: (laughs) And and when it comes to working with celebrities, you know, we've worked with quite a bit in the cannabis world. And I've always told people, you know, my take on it is some celebrities is awesome to work with. Uh, You know, you get to know them as a person or or see them past, you know, just the, the persona that's out there in the public. Right. And there's some people some people you meet and you know you might not click all the way to you might not like who they are as a person. You know, you like the persona or their music or their image out there, but you know they're not your favorite person. What's what's kind of your experience been working with celebrities and getting to know them on that level as actual people? Yeah, I mean,
1: they're definitely um, different than what they portray to the public, which is obviously part of their job, I guess. <clears throat> some of them are people like what you see is what you get? There are definitely like they're not fronting or pretending or anything like that. Like really, that's who they are. Um, like you said, you can't be friends with everybody. You know, there's only you're not gonna get along with every I like every artist I dealt with. We didn't all just click. You know, obviously mm-hmm. there's always the up and downs and the disagreements and whatever. Not so, but. At the end of the day, I would say some artists are definitely more Hollywood than others, like act act wise and are more wise. So I guess they feel a certain way. You know, they accomplish more than your average human being, and you know, Hollywood will be will be Hollywood.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. And, you know, I, I was reading a little bit about you online. I know, I, th- I think I saw the first piece you ever did was for Ashanti, or, or first celebrity piece you ever did was for Ashanti. I saw you work with Pop Smoke. I think I seen the 42 Doug, um, Fabio Foreign. I mean, uh, Bobby Schmurter, a list of people. How many of these people has it been, like, cool to get to know because you're a fan of that, their music or, or that that persona that they have out there before you get to work with them? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's,
1: it's an amazing feeling that, like... Uh example Fabio, where uh, i was with him in the studio and actually seen him put a track together in literally less than like 10 minutes off the off the head you know no like buying lyrics and none of that like real music put on the beat and it was an amazing experience you know definitely and it definitely motivates you as a person that like you could anybody out there that's listening could put something in their mind and and persuade and see it before it happens and it will turn into something. You could literally turn nothing into something. This whole world is based on nothing and it it turned into something. Mm
0: -hmm. You know? And that's much much like your craft, you know, taking these designer frames and these glasses and kind of taking them apart and reassembling them in, in new ways with added features what what drives you to create like what what inspires you does it start with an idea or does it start with seeing like a raw a raw material and then you're like oh i think i could take it to this level or what's that process look like for you well first i always like well let's (coughs) let's say a day in my office is more or less a guy
1: will come in i have a large selection of glasses and then we start talking and you know start feeling out how old are you where are you from what do you do and what not for, you know, what type of budget you're looking to spend. And then based on that, we sit down and some clients I have are very simple. You know, they don't want any designs and diamonds and extravaganza. They just want simplicity and keep moving. Then on the other hand, you'll have another guy coming and be like, listen, man, I want something that nobody has. You know, so here's the fun part. So what I do is definitely for the passion you know, if you, today you see it's a little bit more trendy in what I do, and a lot of people out there are trying to do it, which is fine. But they're doing it more or less for the money. You know what I'm saying? They're not really doing it for the craft. People that understand the difference come here, basically. Mm-hmm. So they see the difference. They see the difference in the quality of work, the diamond quality, the craftsmanship. They know tomorrow if something goes wrong, we're able to repair it. It's not like, hey, Sorry you're out of luck, you know, sorry, we can't help you because it was a one-time hit and we don't even sell ice-style glasses anymore, you know. It's yeah. So it's a little bit different, but I love what I do, you know, and I feel like anybody out there that loves what they do will always be good at it.
0: And how much is it like? What's what's the ratio in terms of clients coming in that like have a, some sort of a vision and kind of collaboratively work with you versus people that kind of give you give you the keys to the car, if you will, and are like, man, I need I've you had, to. I've just- had I've had both scenarios in my
1: career where people were like, hey, I trust your judgment, you're great at what you do, freestyle the lenses or freestyle the glasses, and then I'll have another guy will he'll be like, hey, I want to put my logo. You know, yada yada yada. This big here, there. We could we could do glow in the dark. We can do diamond cut lenses. We could do all type of stuff. He needs a prescription. Some people just want it for fashion, or he wants to put like really big diamonds in his glasses. You know, it, it all depends on how people um, their lifestyle, the lifestyle mm-hmm. they live. You know, I deal with people that are from 18 years old all the way to 65 years old, more or less, is the range of age that come here.
0: And what's the most expensive piece that you've done today in, in eyewear? The most expensive piece was actually
1: um, it's a Louis Vuitton millionaires. They were available only in the Louis Vuitton store. So I purchased them and we made a creation based on Virgil, the one who passed away, the off-white slash Louis Vuitton designer. So he passed away suddenly without any announcement. You know, nobody knew that he was uh, he had cancer or any type of something like that. I heard he was a very good person. Unfortunately I was not able to meet him, but we did initially create these glasses for him. So initially these glasses are two thousand dollars US with the lenses and that stuff. But then we added a hundred grams of solid gold. And we added 50 carats of VVS diamonds. That's a lot of gold and that's a lot of diamonds, okay, (laughs) for glasses. Um, That costed, we were selling this item particularly for 50,000 US. Hmm. So, in my opinion, I think these are the most expensive glasses ever made in the world, period. It then later was sold to a private entrepreneur and He's a funny guy. He has a really, really big collection. Um, Can't talk about him. He's very private, low key. But he's like, Look, man, you know, hold them for now. Here's the money. They're safer with you than with me. (laughs) When I need them, I'll come pick them up. I said, Perfect. This is a great showroom piece, man, because I don't know if I'm going to make any more, you know. Yeah. So, but it's it's a beautiful item, and we, we have nice shots coming in. We have a quick video on the post on the Instagram as well.
0: So. That's fifty k for one set of glasses, huh?
1: Yeah, that was. And guess what? That that's not his first or his last. Believe. Mm. Yeah.
0: What's what's kind of the average? The average budget that people come to you with. I'm sure it ranges pretty greatly.
1: I mean, the lenses here in jewels for the face, custom start about five hundred dollars. Just the lenses. So a lot mm-hmm. of people come here with their glasses. You know, they see the work and they're like, "Hey, I want you to do my lenses, or I want you to do my diamonds." And you know, we do have some frames as well, but a lot of people they come here for customization, Mm -hmm. or let's say they need to refurbish their buff material because it's a little bit faded from wear and tear, or their wood chipped. Because these are all uh, really precious, you know, materials that they're using in these type of glasses. That's that's what brings up the price and obviously the branding, but. They're very, very high-quality handmade in France, you know, and then we have the My Box, which is um, handmade in Germany. Hmm. And then people bring, like, Chrome Hearts, vintage items, vintage Cartier, vintage, you know, other frames, Louis Vuitton. And we just, you know, put them, bring them into life. It's like, uh, it's like what you're doing with, with the woman nowadays, you know. They go one way into the doctor and then they come out a whole different way, you know. This is what we do with the glasses. Yeah, that's what they call me, the cardiac doctor.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I okay, I, I dig it, I dig you it, man. Can't get and my I,
1: analogy where I'm going with this. Yeah,
0: right? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, the customization is just changing these days. So obviously, you know, I, I see you uh, you know puffing on a joint over there too. You know, we we got legalized in NYC recently. Um, how's how's kind of the culture, the, the cannabis culture out there changed over this this last year through legalization?
1: What is it? I'm sorry.
0: So how, how's the culture around cannabis in, in New York changed through legalization? Or for you, has it just kind of been the same, same of the same stuff? Oh, it changed dramatically, man. I've been smoking since I'm about,
1: shit, 15 years old. You know, back in high school, like freshman year, that was the first time I smoked weed. And then I had a girlfriend and she was like against it and stuff, you know. Mm. Remember, this is 15 years ago. Times were different, you know. Yeah. you get cold with weed you know my parents were looking at it like you're a drug addict type of thing and I smoked it and I didn't like it at first it was strong you know I, had my, I we used to have Dutch's. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. around anymore but we used to have Dutch master the vanilla ones and different type of weeds we, New York is a lot of uh, sour mm-hmm. that was like my era sour diesel like New York Harlem sour like it's a little dime bag would smell up a building. You know, like that skunk smell, you know, and uh, basically we were just uh smoking, and then my girlfriend was against it, then we broke up. So, once we broke up, you know, the weed became my new girlfriend, (laughs) (laughs) and since then, we've been since then, we've been together. Since
0: that's funny, man, that's a funny story. Uh, I think a lot of people can relate to that, and then obviously, I, I seen on the gram, I seen that you had. You know, Young B Lit in there somewhat recently out of the Runch crew. So I know you've done done some work with some people in the cannabis space. How, how has that changed in terms of like the brands? I know? can't. I'm
1: so sorry to cut you off. I just can't hear you, you a little. Can you?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. No worries, no worries. And so, you know, I saw I saw in the gram that you were doing some some work for Young B Lit out of the Runch crew. Um, and Young L B. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Young L B. My bad. Uh, and uh, you know, I know that. That just a I can't, a live podcast. Cannabis brands yeah. and legalization oh, Really starting to change the business oh, around oh, that
1: how, What is it? I'm sorry
0: How, how was it working with, with Young LB and, and the rest crew?
1: Young LB was amazing He has amazing energy He is very, very innovative And he's a very, very big, big icon In the marijuana industry today uh, I love his humbleness. Uh, he's the type of guy if he messes with you, his whole gang gonna mess with you. You know, so I respect him for that, and I appreciate him for giving me the business and getting his vision right. He's a genuinely weed connoisseur. He actually showed me how to smoke out of this. I smoke. Shout out to LB. Joke's up. Mm. The wick, much cleaner smoke and everything. Believe me, because he knows exactly what he's talking about. He grows weed and everything.
0: Absolutely. What, what's kind of that? Have you noticed that runts? you know, it's it's a culture, it's a cultural movement. Obviously, they, they got the licensed products for sale on the West Coast and in other states, and you guys are, you know, New York's slowly getting there. But, you know, that that runts strain and culture has definitely infiltrated all these different cities. Are, are people in New York really hype over runts?
1: Oh, for sure. What?
0: Runtz is the top seller. Yeah. Everything today
1: is a different strain of Runtz. People want the candy. Runtz is candy. The strain is candy and, it's, and the chirps are candy. And and they basically knew what they were doing. You know, back then, like I said, growing up, it was Sour Diesel, haze, Kush. You know, this weed is no longer around. Sometimes you get exotic like Northern Lights. There was something called cheese, you know. So I smoked so many different weeds back then that they don't exist anymore today, you know. Today it's people all want is what? White cherry gelato, lemon cherry gelato, black cherry gelato, all type of gelatos and Skittles and sweet stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. There are some people that still want the blue dream and all this light smoke. I'm talking about heavy smokers, they want they want the candy, you know, like this is what we smoking right now. Black nerds buy Sherbunny. money.
0: Okay. Like Cherry Nerds. Really good. And so how how much do you feel like that cannabis culture in New York is influenced by Cali? Obviously, you know, seen the Cali icon on there, but
1: well, yeah, Cali has
0: Cali has Cali has a definitely a
1: big impact to I think the nationwide's industry of cannabis, to be honest with you. Because, you know. They're the ones that got legal first, so they're Mm -hmm. they're way ahead of us. And I think also a lot of people say the growers like even if we're gonna get legal in New York, that everyone keeps saying the same thing. It may be true, maybe not, but it's different soil here. It's different, different everything, different water. You know, filtering has a lot. It's like the pizza. Like people say, New York has the best pizza. You know, I'm sure where you at in Seattle, like you said, has a good pizza to you at least. Yeah. You know, so it all depends on the water and the filtration system and how it is like with the whole, you know, growing and lighting. I'm not a farmer, but I just know a little A to Z, how it works, the process. I've seen it before. But Cali is definitely, you know, the king of the, the wheat industry, in my opinion. So definitely it has a big impact and the influence of New York and I think a lot of other
0: states. You feel like the smokers out there, like in the streets, like they want shit from Cali. Or you feel like once shit's grown in New York, there's gonna be a demand for that, or people are still willing to pay more just because it's from Cali. Uh, you know, it's a good question. It all depends
1: on on our growers here and what they're gonna, you know, the final product would be. You know, if the, if the stuff is good, then I don't see why it wouldn't sell.
0: Mm.
1: You know, I don't see why the consumers wouldn't want it. And they're still going to want it because it's going to be tourism, you know. It's going to be like, uh, I think, legal fully where you could recreationally do it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of tourists coming from all over the world. And then, oh, perfect. I don't have to travel with weed anymore while I'm visiting New York, you know, and risk mm. it for whatever. Because, you know, potheads and stoners will, that will that'll be an issue. This is like our medication. Like, I have that personal issue. Like, when I travel, it's hard for me. Right. There's a you know, I I smoke, I have body pains, I don't want to be on pills, I don't want to, you know, I'm uh, it helps me focus, it helps me think, helps me stay calm because if I don't smoke, I'm very hyper, you know, which is also not bad, but I guess it just becomes part of a lifestyle and a habit, you know,
0: yeah. And and that's, I was gonna ask is how cannabis has affected you in, in your profession.
1: Cannabis is a strange uh could be strange sometimes. It definitely goes based on your mood like drinking. There's times I drank and I didn't there was times I drank and I felt a way and then there was the times I drank something else and I felt a different way. It definitely also depends on what marijuana you smoke. Ooh. Same t Yeah. You got some weed for the kid Sorry about that.
0: No, it's all good. Yeah, I see y'all y'all talking about rolling up right now, man. So you're keeping it on keeping it on top. Yeah, so
1: basically in New York, I'm gonna tell you something. It's all about multitasking. <laughs> it's literally the New York minute where everything just happens at once, even like on this live stream, which is the beauty of things. You know, I'm a type person which she sees what you get. I'm very raw, you know, I don't like, you know, To be somebody who's somebody I'm not, you know, I love what I do. And marijuana definitely did help me become part of the culture, you know. So growing up, I always liked rap music, you know what I mean, and just the hip-hop. And I was born and raised in New York, so, you know. And then my family was from Brooklyn, then we moved out to Queens, so... I definitely seen the 90s and the early 2000s, and now upcoming. So it does it does affect you in uh, good and bad ways, of course. But more, I think good. You know, I rather do this than anything else. I don't. Yeah. I don't do really pills. I don't really do anything like that. But smoke. You know, even the edibles, I'm not a big fan too much. I rather just, I'm old school. I have straight paper, no grabo, no tobacco, you know, just good premium weed and filter and even light up with
0: a wick. <laughs> so
1: I try my best, you know?
0: Yeah, I see you on that on that healthy shit, tasting it. But, it, I mean, like you said, you, you deal with body pains, and I'm sure in your profession there's a lot of, like, probably being hovered over something, kind of working on it meticulously when you're setting diamonds. So I'm sure that kind of takes a toll on, like, your – your shoulders, your neck, your back. And so you feel like cannabis kind of provides some some relief for that as well? Oh, for sure. It definitely provides you relaxation. You know,
1: it definitely helps aches, body aches. Like, it just puts you in a better mood, you know? And Life is too short where you should wake up. And, you know, what they say, like, even when you're having problems, smile. You know, always smile. Even if you're in good times or bad times, you should smile because life goes on, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and marijuana
0: uh, helps you move on. Keeps me going, you know? A lot of people use it for a lot of, a lot of reasons, but back to, you know, back to the business, you know, jewels for the face. Um, What are some of the the tips that you could give, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs in regards to like building a brand and, and building a business?
1: Building a brand and building a business is all about branding. Branding is something like, you know, putting your brand on a simple pen or a bottle of water or a bag, cleaning cloth, get merchandise, you know, get the name out there. Footwork. Footwork is also very important. That's what actually got me going. That's how I met Ashanti, producer, and went behind the scenes for the shoot, and then it went from there to the next person to the next person. And we continue looking forward to working with new artists and so on. But all they got to do is, like I said, consistency. You got to want it. Not just dwell upon it. Every day, be here no matter what. You're tired, you're not tired. You got to be here. You know? Thankfully, well, for my family and a lot of other people that I know, from a young age, you learn this, and it sticks with you. You know, I have a son of my own and I wouldn't just give him anything to that point. Like my dad didn't, even though if he could have. Because they raised us to be hungry and ambitious. If you're not gonna be hungry and ambitious, no one's gonna be hungry and ambitious for you. You know, people could cook you the food but we can't, you know, somebody can't eat for you. Mm -hmm. Somebody could cook you a plate but they're not gonna eat for you. You gotta know how to eat, you know? So absolutely. If you want it, go get it. That's what I can say.
0: And that same thing applies because that's another thing I wanted to ask is in the space that you're in, obviously networking, and you touched on it there a second ago. Um, networking is such a crucial thing. It creates those, opens up opportunities, meets new people, and it's kind of the 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 the, the starting point for like word of mouth marketing, which is really, you know, a, a great driver of business. What are what are some of the keys like that you could give people that you've learned in networking and just trying to meet new people and get in new circles? Well, you know what they
1: say in its old saying? Your net worth is your network, you know, and basically, you know, that's the best thing. That's part of the footwork. You basically go out, you know, brand yourself, introduce yourself into the event that you're going to and hit your targets, you know. You know know who you got to go speak to and show face to and go from there.
0: That's the best way to do it, you know. Yep, getting out, getting out there, mingle. What, what, what? All are some projects that you got on on, on the docket for 2022 that you're excited about?
1: Well, my clients, uh, more or less, you know, private. I don't really want to discuss, but we definitely do have uh, big names, glasses, custom that we have in mind coming out very soon.
0: Okay, we can. We we'll have to. We got, we got to wait till till it's live. See it on the gram. Probably. Some of them probably don't, because that's that's the thing. You probably worked on some really dope shit that you can't even share, huh? Nah, because you know what it is in this
1: industry, it's really small. And the smaller you get, the less people you know. It is in the circle. Yeah. The bigger you get, it's the same way. So a lot of people doing copycats and trying to do this and trying to do that, but we definitely have done, you know, Pop Smokes remake. We definitely did um favios custom snowflake lenses we did the first glow on the dark lenses ever in the industry no one ever did Mm. that we were the first ones to do it now i have something new coming out where we're going to be basically like attaching emblems in the lenses you know at least i'll give you some secret sauce what's coming ahead that's just a little taste so we got something coming we're definitely cooking every day new concepts new ideas we definitely did. 42 Doug was one of, you know, that was an honor because, again, he's from Detroit. You know, and that's a big culture out there, like the Diamond White Buffs and stuff like that. So, thankfully, we, we're, good. we're working. we good. we work We got a lot of bigger names coming in as well real
0: soon. Yeah, well, I'm excited to keep keep watching the glow up from afar. Like I said, I'm about to be in NY next month. I'll, I'll try and pull up. You know, I, I ain't spending 50K on frames, but, you know, I'll come of come see what's... We got it
1: all, man. We treat everybody the same. A guy that's spending $500 all the way to $100,000. In, in our that's place, love.
0: you will be treated the same. That's love. That's love. Yeah, I'll come out there. I'll try and bring some Cali flavors out there, too, or something, man. So Appreciate that, for sure. We'll definitely get you right. Word, word, man. Well, Danny, I really appreciate you hopping on here. For anyone that wants to find out anything, any more, at Jules for the Face on Instagram. Um, Jules with a Z on the end. Anything else you want to plug before we get up out of here?
1: Not much, man. I want to thank you for having me on this interview. I appreciate your time. And hopefully, whoever can come, come get their vision right. We definitely do one of the best works in the industry. Hope to see you guys soon.
0: Awesome, man. I appreciate you for your time, man. I'll let you get on with your evening. And for everyone out there, RMR Podcast, episode 34. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit subscribe. It's somewhere in that corner over there. If you're uh, listening on Apple or Spotify, favorite episode, download it, and we'll be back to you guys next week.